Wow. We're on episode 25 of Elite Heat. The only show you need on Mondays there, John. What is going on, man? How are you doing on this lovely day? I'm doing really good. I think energy is going to be up for this show. It's going to be a uh, a, a must-see uh, 25th episode there, Kevin. Um, plenty of topics today. We were initially going to do... Well, I won't say what we were initially going to do, but what we've got today is going to be a really fun mixed bag of all these relevant, topical, I guess, bits of content for you. It's going to be a it's going to be a plethora of videos rammed into one for our twenty fifth show, Kevin. I can't wait for this. Give me a give me a second. Absolutely. Can we put over last week's episode first, where we did the Kenny Omega and Roman Reigns debate? I mean, I just thought that was a great episode. No, what did you think? I, I, I gave that a listen. I, I thought it turned out really good. I think, I mean, the objectivity we brought to like the Reigns and Omega, I guess just debate generally, thought it turned out really well. And you guys have supported that really well. Numbers have been looking good. So thank you guys. Absolutely. I mean, I had a ton of fun making that one. It felt like a real, like, more of a professional conversation. Because a lot of times we just come out here and we make jokes. You know, you've done some, how many of these podcasts have you done that have just been complete jokes or like writing characters and writing storylines? It was nice to take a break from that and do like a more serious podcast. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, as fun as it is doing, you know, if AW was a high school, if WB was a high school, if, you know, wrestling was a, a, a mall, like we've done a bunch of those fun ones, which you guys love as well, which we appreciate a ton. As much as those are fun, those like real in depth, conversations where we bring a kind of point of view to these things that well, at least us personally haven't really you know, we don't really hear in the wrestling community so we have to bring that to you guys bring you content that we feel is worth your while i guess that's the main thing because all we want to do here is create content that is worth a listen because i don't know about you kevin but as far as me personally i tend to not be able to sit through a wrestling podcast because I find I don't really get much out of them. So I feel like what we do here at Elite Heat, I hope, I know that your you know, side of things, but I feel as though we bring a podcast that you guys can get something out of and can be entertained by. Yeah, this is what we do, Maggle. And, you know, with that being said, I'll let you that dialogue that you had. I'll kind of lay a little bit of a run sheet for what we're going to be talking about in this episode. So I guess this will be like a wrestling news and rumors roundup. We'll talk about like everything that's gone down from the releases that happened last week um, to, you know, Raw ratings, AEW ratings, Andrade debuting, Alistair Black going off on Dave Meltzer and other journalists. Yeah, we got a ton packed into the show, so I'm ready. I don't know. I don't know where you want to start. Where, where the hell do you want to start? Uh, real quick before we get into the topic, I just want to say, I think, I mean, you guys can comment down below and let us know. But going forward, if you guys want these to be... A bit more of like the topical news and rumor stuff because myself personally and you're reasonably similar, I'd say, Kevin. Scheduling wise, we're not as available as we once were. It's not as though we're both sitting around all day because there's like a, a lockdown or there's nothing to do, and you know we, we both can be on Twitter all day giving our opinions on all these different topics, and we're making a, a video or two every day on our channels, like. That's not the case. I've uploaded like once in the past week and a half. Kevin's uploaded like maybe twice, you know? So this is a good opportunity for us to really get our thoughts on things, entertain you guys, all these relevant trending topics. So that's enough of me talking, Kevin. I'll pass the baton back to you. Start us off somewhere. Yeah. I'll just address two a few things. Like, yeah, scheduling has been different for us. I mean, my knee is all healed and I'm kind of back to life, you know, and that's great. Back to work and whatnot. So we might be late. 
with some elite heats. You know, we might be the only show you need on Tuesdays now because our schedules are just really going to be kind of crazy now. So, yeah, with that being said, let's get to it. I, I guess we'll talk about the hot topic of the week, and that's the releases. So WWE had their latest cuts. Um, the rumors are going out there that these were all budget cuts. Apparently, WWE, they're, you know, they're going back on the road and they need to cut cut back costs so they can afford to pay for the trucks and the production teams and all that good stuff. So they cut Braun Strowman, Buddy Murphy, Aleister Black, Lana, and Santana Garrett. Now, I know what you're thinking. Who is Santana Garrett? I honestly don't know who Santana Garrett is. Are you familiar with her work at all? I thought you just forgot Ruby Riot. That's jokes. Um, oh, yeah, I did yeah, forget yeah, yeah, that shows how notable Ruby Riot is. But no, nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, Santana Garrett, um, yeah, just one of the 400 women Triple H has signed NXT. I mean, if we're being real, that's 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 what she is, you know. So I'm not going to fake outrage over Santana Garrett. Quite frankly, I'm not going to fake outrage about any of these. Now, Kevin, in the wake of these releases, you uploaded a video about them to the Elite Hate channel, which might add, you did a, a mighty fine job with. You covered it really well. Um, when it comes to my thoughts on the releases, I'll quickly give a couple thoughts and throw it back to you. I think the way the wrestling community handles releases and really the way the community handles even like someone losing a championship and then in the weeks and months that follow, I, I think it's kind of comical. Like Braun Strowman gets released and people who were bashing him and saying he sucks and he can't wrestle for literally four years are now crying and calling WWE satanic and saying Vince McMahon's a heartless devil and how could Vince McMahon like just there's no <laughs> consistency here like where, where does this love come from it was the same with Tom Phillips we made a whole video about that which you guys enjoyed I'd fair say and Tom Phillips got released Kevin people acted as though Vince McMahon went to Tom Phillips house and shot his loved ones like the way people were, were freaking out calling Vince Satan over releasing Tom Phillips like get over it like, these things happen. It's a business. Like, oh my God. So, yeah, what do you think? Bro, people were treating Tom Phillips like he was the second coming of Jim Ross. And I, I'll propose a simple theory. Maybe if you would have treated Tom Phillips the way you treated him after he got released for the prior five to six years that he was on WWE TV every single week, maybe he wouldn't have got released. There's a thought. Well, Kevin, it, yeah, it, it comes back to this whole theory of you don't know what you have till it's gone. Okay. Tom Phillips, we'll use, we'll just quickly close the Tom Phillips example and then move on to the releases that are actually a bit more relevant. Phillips was literally a competent, he was a voice. And that's all he was. And people are treating him, as you say, like he's Prime JR, like he's Gorilla Monsoon, Jesse the Body, like when he was Vince on commentary. Like, no, this is a voice. And as a result, this, leads into these current releases. Strowman, Murphy, Alistair Black, Lana, Santana Garrett, Ruby Riot. Mainly Strowman and Alistair Black, particularly because they're the ones that actually got some kind of TV time in the past couple of years. And well, Lana as well, but mainly Strowman and Alistair Black. People don't care about them when they're there. And the only people who do are these like, I'll be nice at this, these very diehard fans on Twitter who have Alistair Black profile pictures. Outside of those people, no one really cares about these people. They get released and it's outrage, Kevin. It's vitriol. Like, your Twitter, Kevin, walk us through this one. Your Twitter was just blowing up when these people got released. Yeah, yeah, they were blowing up because I, w- I was on, like, the forefront calling out these people. I was like, oh, here comes the fake Braun Strowman fans. 
you know, and I was just getting, I was just getting attacked, violently attacked verbally. Like people were like, oh my God, Braun Strowman, he's this, he's that. I loved Braun Strowman from the very beginning when he was a part of the Wyatt family. No, no, you didn't. Nobody did. Nobody did. Nobody liked him at all. Like people kind of liked him in 2017, 2018. I'll, I'll give you that. People liked him like during the feud with Roman because they hated Roman so much. And I'll, admittedly, I thought Braun could have been a star. And then I saw him lose to Brock at No Mercy. And I was like, all right, that's it. WWE clearly has no faith in this guy. And I cut bait and I just moved on. And then it just spiraled and kept snowballing. And then he's winning a tag team title with a 10-year-old boy. He's getting slime on Kayla Braxton. It just it just got worse and worse. And everyone kind of collectively started hating him. And then now he gets released and they're like, oh, Braun was on the best run of his career. He did all this in Raw Underground. Oh, he was so good. He was so good in WrestleMania against Shane McMahon. It's like, like I think the Smartbuster said this in a retail live stream. The idea was the Shane feud where they were presenting Braun Strowman as special needs. It was to bury him on his way out. But really, like, what is that going to do? Nobody cares. Like, Braun Strowman, he's going to... It doesn't matter if they buried him or if he left his WWE champion. He's going to show up on Impact, and people are going to care for one week. They'll watch Impact for one week, and then they'll realize, oh, wait, this show sucks, and they'll stop watching, regardless of Braun Strowman being there. Like, Braun Strowman, he's not a name like Randy Orton that could move the needle for another company. You know, Braun Strowman's going to go to Impact or New Japan or AEW, and he'll fit in nicely in the coil of things, but he's not going to, like, rewrite stuff, and he's not going to be this big, huge star that's going to draw ratings and really make a swift um, make a swift change, you know? Oh, my God, Kevin. Adam Schur is in the impact zone. Oh, my God. Wow. Are you excited to see Adam Schur versus W. Morrissey, whatever Big Cass's new name is? Like, honestly... Where Strowman goes from here, if if he just you know retired from wrestling altogether, I think that's probably the best like way of going. Like he can just flounder and impact and be another name. I mean, sure, or he can have good matches with. I mean, can, who's even in Impact anymore? Eddie Edwards is he there? Like, the Impact is that irrelevant? That like, I'm on. Yeah, he's I'm gonna have good I'm, matches with Heath Slater. Yeah. You know, have good matches with Heath Slater and Tommy Dreamer there, pal. God Almighty. God almighty, like, that's just... Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe Adam Schur will bump Impact's ratings from 40,000 viewers on a Twitch live stream to 45,000 viewers. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. We're wishing Strowman all the best. Just wishing all these people got released best as far as, like, a mental health perspective because this can be challenging. I mean, Alistair Black seemed in fairly good spirits with it with his stream, which we'll address in a moment. But, yeah, Braun Strowman... I mean, you mentioned that thing with him being buried out the door. I mean, that's a great point. If he wasn't in the WWE title match two weeks ago, backlash, like that, kind of overrides that. So I don't know what that, what they got, what they were, and what they're going for with Braun. Like bury him on his way out, even though he throws, he throws the owner's son off the top of the cage and nearly kills him at Mania and beats him. <laughs> and then he goes into a WWE title match and is feuding with Lashley and McIntyre, the number two and the number three guys in the company. So. Okay, that's just that's logic for you. But um, yeah, now nah, Strowman's gone. Will I miss him? Not really. I mean, at this point, realistically, in pro wrestling, if Reigns just retired altogether, I'd miss him. 
But outside of that, I, I hardly would miss anyone. So, yeah, that's why I'm at Kevin. What about you? Well, here's the reality on Braun Strowman. The guy has been in Forbes list for the highest earners in WWE for the last, like, five or six years. He's got a ridiculous ironclad contract. He was, like, reportedly making $3.5 to $4 million a year since 2016. What is Braun Strowman bringing that kind of revenue back to WWE? Like, is he moving merch? Is he driving Peacock and WWE Network subscriptions? So I could kind of see why Vince would look at that and be like, yeah, we can't keep paying you that. So maybe what happens is Braun Strowman comes back for less money to WWE. And he's not gone for that long. That could happen. Right? Well, what do you think? Yeah, for sure. And can I just give you a fun fact with Braun Strowman? This is some uh, some live information for you. Braun Strowman's arm wrestling contest on Raw with Bobby Lashley for 2019 has 127 million YouTube views. Wow. That is more views than AEW's top 20 YouTube channel videos combined. You hear that? That, yeah. So Braun Strowman is a clear draw. So he, he made a name for himself because of that. His big strongman segments were notable because of that. Him pushing over things was cool accordingly. But when you're looking at your books, when you're looking at how much money you're paying people, and he has these you know, high seven-figure contracts, if you're going to go back on the road, it makes sense. If you don't got plans for Braun Strowman, I mean, fair play. You can cut him, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, like, yeah, I don't want to make this about Braun Strowman. So I guess we can move, yeah, move on, on to on. the other move names. On the right. I've Let's move on. Yeah. I want to talk about Lana real quick because the outrage going surrounding Lana is just ridiculous. Like, this woman, she's been in main storylines on WWE TV since she came up with Rusev. And then she was doing a story with Bobby Lashley. Then she was doing the stuff with, with uh, Naomi. She's a TikTok star. She's getting paid from TikTok. She was on E! Total Divas for, what, like five seasons? So she made her fair share of money. I, I don't think she's hurting for cash. And plus, if she, if she doesn't want to wrestle again, she could just be a model. She could go model. or She could do whatever the hell she wants. She can keep being a TikTok influencer. But Lana has made a big enough name and enough money outside of WWE that she doesn't really need to be in WWE. That that one was probably a mutual release where she was like, yeah, I'll just go to AEW and I'll take a seven-figure seven check from Tony Khan to go stand next to Miro uh, every week on Wednesday. Like, people say, oh my God, I can't believe this poor Lana. Like, no, she was she's fine. Like, maybe someone like Santana Garrett or Aleister Black that didn't have the luxuries to be on, uh, you know, on, on E!, on Total Divas every every season for the past five years, just collecting checks. Yeah, I, you can feel bad for someone like that. But I'm not going to sit here and feel terrible for Lana, the person, you know? Oh, yeah. But, you know, Kevin, this this winds back to the whole kind of point we're making. How horrible WWE. Could they get rid of Lana? It's disgusting. Like, it just... Why, why is this a thing? Well, actually, well, we know why. It's because WWE is successful. So any, any chance people can get to underpin them, to you know, undermine them, say bad things about them, get angry at them, that's what people will do. Because that's just, I guess, how it works. WWE are successful. People, for some reason, want to hate it. And then they just do this accordingly. This gives people ammunition to just slander WWE, give themselves you know, views, relevancy, attention, etc. So... I, I guess that's the best way I can put it. I mean, do you think that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. And then people saying, oh, Lana could have been used better. Like, stop pretending like you were a fan of Lana's wrestling before she got released. 
Everyone hated Lana. She was in the same boat as the Iconics. Oh, Lana can't wrestle. Why is Lana wrestling for the women's title? Why is Lana in the ring with this person, that person? And now, yeah, whatever. Okay, moving on. Now, Alistair Black. No, we, we can't move on real quick. Go ahead. These are the same people who, when Eva Marie has a vignette on Raw, cry on Twitter and say how horrible it is. But then when Lana gets released, oh my god, it was gross, she got misused, she had so much more potential in WWE, she should have been used as a wrestling talent more. How dare, what are these double standards? Why is this a thing? Like, can can we just be consistent, please? It's just, oh, dude. Fine, moving on, moving on. Yeah, moving on. Let's talk about Aleister Black. Aleister Black, I think, was the second most surprising name behind Braun Strowman. I genuinely was caught off guard by the Braun Strowman release. Um, I, I, I saw Alistair Black getting released. I just didn't think it would be what a month after he made his return on SmackDown. I didn't think it would come that quick. You know, like he was literally doing his gimmick where he's talking about Game of Thrones dragons. And then three weeks later, he's released before he's supposed to get this quote unquote big push. So it was a little bit shocking the, considering the circumstances, but overall, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm surprised. That Alistair Black got released. I mean, his wife got released for supporting a union and having an OnlyFans account. So you know how petty WWE is. They're they're gonna punish the the other spouse that's remaining. So I wasn't caught off guard at all by him being released. I don't know about you. Yeah, I wouldn't say I was. Well, it was a little bit surprising they just released him. But in the wake of it, I wasn't horribly offended because, like personally speaking, I remember making videos and mentioning this in videos throughout 2020 about how Alistair Black should be used better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I genuinely thought that. I thought when in the first half of 2020 he was being booked by Paul Heyman mm-hmm. as Heyman was running Raw as like the executive producer and everything was going well. Black was getting wins. Alistair Black beat Bobby Lashley in six minutes at WrestleMania. You can't believe that. Like, Alistair Black was going along fine. Bruce Pritchard comes along. Bruce Pritchard understandably so, doesn't see it in Alistair Black because when you objectively strip away everything from Alistair Black, he is a NXT dark gimmick who's not the greatest on the microphone. Yes, he has a cool finisher, cool presence, and cool entrance. So there's definitely a clear objective positive to Alistair Black. Is Alistair Black a guy who is just, oh my God, this is a surefire future Hall of Famer. This guy screams main event like a Roman Reigns, for instance. No. He's just, he's a, he's a good talent. But uh, Kevin, look, he got released. I mean, he'll go to AW. He'll fit in just fine. We'll have Tommy End is now all elite. Like, we can guarantee we'll see that. So, yeah. Yeah, he'll, he'll be fine in AEW. He'll probably be one of the few signees that will fit in with what AEW is trying to do. Because they need somebody with charisma and larger than life potential. Because that Alistair Black, he adds a different presence about him than, say, an Andrade or an Ethan Page, or Brian Cage, some of these guys that they've signed. Alistair Black can come in and he could kind of command a crowd in a way that I don't think a lot of guys in AEW necessarily can. I'm not saying he's going to be like the second coming of Chris Jericho or Sting, but you get you get what I'm going for. And then, yeah, I've been told for years, literally since like he started in NXT, that, oh, Alistair Black's going to be a main eventer. And then there was a few of the Velveteen Dream he had in NXT. Oh my God, Alistair Black, he's going to come up He's going to be a main eventer. He's going to break the NXT curse. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. And I, I, I personally never saw it in him. I was never really a big Alistair Black guy. Like I, I could appreciate some of the entering stuff that he did. The Black Mask, the cool move, 
some of the MMA stuff he did. I, I appreciate that. But I personally never saw anything in Alistair Black. I, I just, I never, I never really did. Like, yeah, aside from like his entrance in NXT, but I was watching that knowing that he's not going to be able to do that on Raw. That Vince is not going to let him have a, a, fifth, a five minute entrance, like with all this pompous uh, circumstance on Raw. It's just not going to happen. Like, he'll probably get that in AEW. But I don't know. That was just, I guess, my general thoughts on the Alistair Black character over the years. How did you feel about Alistair? Like, not just 2020 Alistair, but. Alistair Black as a whole in WWE. Yeah, I thought, I mean, the NXT stuff was, yeah, good. And then it's really, it's transitioning that to the main roster where you need to have the personality, you need to have a presence, you need to have a character. Because, like, could you, this is the thing. If you're Bruce Pritchard, you're Vince, like, describe Alistair Black. Like, like what, what about this guy is going to have you know, is going to work in a program with a Roman Reigns. What about Alistair Black is going to really click? Okay, his gimmick in when he came back in April 2021 was that he's reading, I guess, Game of Thrones books and he's going to slay the Ender Dragon or something. Like, like how are you going to... If you're one-on-one, face-to-face with Roman Reigns, what about that is going to be a believable threat to Roman? Like, oh, I'm going to slay you like I slay the dragon in Mortal Kombat. Like, it doesn't, it's not going to work. So in that sense, he was always limited as far as like a main event WWE position. I think Alistair Black makes a, an amazing mid-card guy. I think they could have used him as such, but like chose to release him. And I mean, that's WWE's choice. Um, in AW, it'll probably be a similar thing to Andrade, who we'll talk about in the moment, Kevin, where they bring him in and it's like, oh my God, Andrade Alito is all late. Or in this case, oh my God, Tommy End is all late. And it's like, okay. And then he just fits right into each falls into the shuffle, Kevin. He's just gonna be another guy. He could be the next exalted one for the Dark Order if you wanted to go there. If not, fair play. He could he could lead another stable. I mean, who knows? But yeah, that's, I think it's a way to say Alex Black. I guess. Absolutely, yeah. Buddy Murphy is the next guy that I think we need to talk about. It's another one. Oh, Murphy was criminally underused. Vince McMahon would not know talent if he slapped him in the face, you know, because people on Twitter and other social media forums they know more about booking and star power and all this and then Vince McMahon. So there's that. Kevin, Kevin, really quickly, these people, if they had it their way, instead of Hulkamania running wild and making WWE disgusting amounts of money in the 80s and the early 90s, you would have had WrestleMania main events be Ricky Steamboat versus Tito Santana because they have better in-ring work rate. You would have had these matches where it's, oh my God, Rick Martel versus the blue blazer in the main event of SummerSlam. It's like, get out of here, dude. Like, Vince McMahon doesn't know talent. No, he knows main event talent, and he's not the best at using mid-card talent. Like, how dare he? Like, it, dude, honestly. But yeah, nonetheless, go on. Go on. Yeah, you got, you got Buddy Murphy, who... What's the most, no, no, uh, the most thing of notoriety that Buddy Murphy has done in the last year? Seth Rollins reading his DMs with Rey Mysterio's daughter. Like, realistically, that's the only thing I can think of. And then if you think back further, two years, he had that one match with Roman Reigns on SmackDown. It was like, okay, this is a good match. But then uh, we all thought it'd be Buddy Murphy's coming out party, where Buddy Murphy's going to establish himself as an upper mid-card talent. And no, the, the reality of it is, Buddy Murphy was a good wrestler for a while. He had a good run. He was in WWE for a long time. Like, he goes back to, like, what? There was the... 
the Blake and Murphy tag team where we got introduced to Alexa Bliss in NXT. So yeah. he's been around for quite a while, you know, and he's had a hell of a run. He was a cruiserweight champion. He was one of the faces of 205 Live. And then they tried their hand with him on SmackDown and, and Raw, and it just didn't work out for whatever reason. Like, I'm, he's he's just another one of those high-flying, great technicians. There's really not much else about Buddy Murphy that we're going to be missing on a week-to-week basis. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can use to differentiate Buddy Murphy from, I mean, Ricochet, Humberto Carrillo, Mustafa Ali, like, the appeal, like, Alistair Black, like, this laundry list of guys who all fall in this category, like, yeah, you know, Finn Balor's, like, these types, is that Murphy had a better physique and he was Australian. And even then, like, okay, his nationality is a bit different, okay? And, like, like what's Vince going to, like, this is the thing with Murphy. You could have given him any sort of a character, have him develop something, work on a character. Instead, as you mentioned there, he spent 2020 having his DMs read by Seth Rollins and taking pins in tag matches involving Seth Rollins, where we had Rey Mysterio and Kevin Owens pinning Murphy every week for seven months. And then, then what? Where's he been? Like, what's he done, Kevin? It's just, he's the best kept secret. Okay. Okay, you're gonna like, and it's like Seth Rollins coming out in 2015 saying, I'm the future, I'm the future, guys. Like, we'll do something about it, G- give us something to believe that. Like, you can't just keep saying it, do something, act upon it. It's like with the Polo Cruz, the Polo Cruz of four years, Kevin. It was like, oh, he's a, he's a great potential talent, he has so much potential. Good, well, do something. Like, stop saying it, do, like, do, like, I don't know, Kevin. I just, Murphy never, yeah, I don't know. The best he did was have his DMs right, Kevin. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure he'll be great in Impact in a few months or wherever he winds up. More power to him. Like it's sad that he got cut, but you know, I mean, reality of it is, like I said, he he was just another good in ring mat technician. That's basically what he was. Um, I guess quickly we'll talk about Ruby Riot. I even forgot that she was included on this list. Um, people were just anxiously awaiting the reunion of the Riot Squad. You know, but that's cut short, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't no. know. Like, what is this? Like, legit, the only thing Ruby Riot, Kevin, is even worth mentioning is that Ruby Riot and I, I guess Liv Morgan mainly, but like Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan in a similar position to like Candice LeRae for like literally over a year, where literally every day you can't go on Twitter or wrestling Twitter for more than about three minutes without seeing people go, Oh my God, I need this. And there's a picture of, like a Photoshop picture of Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan with the women's tag titles. And first off, the women's tag titles mean nothing. So why do you care? And second off, is this just some cataclysmic, oh my God thing that just needs to happen? Like the world's going to keep turning. It doesn't matter if Ruby Riot's the women's tag champion or whether she's not. Kevin, just uh, who cares? Well, clearly these people on Twitter do, but like, why? Why? That's, oh, because we need Ruby Riot to have the title. Why? Kevin, that's the best question you can ask a wrestling fan. Why? Like, I just, I don't know. Because yeah, she's Ruby Riot. That's on. all it is, you know? I mean, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, moving on. Let's talk about AEW. The AEW, they yeah. had their, um, their Friday Night Dynamite that was headlined by wrestling megastar Andrade Alitalo's surprising debut at Daly's Place. And uh, the main event of that show was Dustin Rhodes in a bull rope match. I can't remember who his opponent was, but yeah. 
So there was that. That's what headlined last week's Dynamite. This Dynamite was not the best. Like, you know, it's true when I go on my timeline on Twitter and people are bashing it on Twitter. Like, I saw a lot of people talking about this Dynamite in a negative light. And it reflects in the ratings. The ratings are just not good. My question, really, the only question I have for you is, who thought it was a good idea to have Andrade debut on this show? When you know you're going to have your your lowest amount of eyeballs, you know you're not really trying from a creative perspective because you're just trying to limp to next month when you're going back on tour. Why have Andrade debut in like a random middle of the heart of the summer dynamite? Yeah, um, that's I guess that's a question we've got to ask the, the, the brilliant wrestling minds of Tony Khan, Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Um, that one, I don't know. Um, by all reports, Andrade has a bit of creative pull in his contract. So maybe that was his idea to come out at 11 p.m. on a Friday night in front of 462,000 live viewers. Clearly, that's the play code because, my God, Andrade Alito is all late. Like, okay, cool. He's a guy. He's going to have some good matches. I saw someone tweet, in full caps, Andrade versus Ray Phoenix, exclamation mark. And that, that was spanned about 15 times in one tweet. I know people have a lot of Andrade Alito dream matches. But really, Kevin, to answer your question, the main reason they did this is because AEW has a history of the dynamite following a pay-per-view. They like to debut someone. They like to do something shocking. I remember following Double or Nothing last year was FTR. And I forget the specifics for our each post pay-per-view Whatever. I forget the specifics since then, but generally every pay-per-view after every dialogue after pay-per-view, something big happens. So in this case, Kevin, it was your favorite wrestler and everyone's favorite wrestler, Charlotte Flair's husband, Andrade El Idolo, pal. Get excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're supposed to be excited. Um, I mean, I, I realistically he came out and he said, I'm here at AEW to prove that I'm the best wrestler in the world. That was the basis of his promo. He's got Vicky Guerrero with him. Which is great. Vicky Guerrero talked him up, talked a big game about him. But now we're not going to see Andrade on Dynamite for the next, what, three weeks, four weeks? Like, that's just kind of how it goes with AEW. That's the formula. AEW, you know, you, we got to have Cody, we got to have the Bucks, we got to have Kenny on every show, and then we fill in from there. They have no real plan long term for Andrade. He'll probably be on YouTube shows for the next three, four, five, six weeks. And then he'll be on the pre-show of whatever fight for the fallen or whatever kind of pay-per-view AEW decides to do or um, television pay-per-view as you will, if you will. And that's it. And then he'll be on the pre-show of All Out. Like what realistically, what is Andrade going to do? And I think the fans and AEW loyalists are kind of, um, how do I phrase it? They're conditioned to expect this now from AEW. We've seen it time and time again with Christian, Brian Cage, some other notable additions where they come in, they have a big debut, and then we don't see or hear from them for three to six weeks, and then they're on a pre-show, pay- um, they're on a pre-show of pay-per-view or a random match on the undercard, and then in two to three months' time, they're get they're randomly getting a push on Dynamite all of a sudden. So I don't know what Andrade is going to do. But are they conditioned to that though? Because I swear every time, like, oh, Christian Cage is all late. Oh, my God. Miro is all late. Oh, Andrade Alito is all late. Like, all these ex-WWE names, they make their debut on AW Dynamite. 
there's this big pomp and circumstance. Oh my God, think of all the great matches this guy can have. And to that, I just think, how many matches have you seen? Like, it's just the moves and moves. I, I don't know. Kevin, may, may, maybe this whole thing isn't for me. I, I don't know. Like, seeing these big, this big freak out of, oh my God, Andrade versus this guy. I'm like, you're going to see the same moves regardless of who's in the match. It's like with the Young Bucks. Oh my God, Young Bucks versus this team. I can't wait to see it. It's been the same as the other 25 Young Bucks matches we've seen in the past year. Like, I don't know, Kevin. But yeah, to, to, to give my you know, closing thoughts on Andrade El Idolo joining Holy uh, Wrestling there, John. My, um, my main thought is, okay, like it, it, the fan base for AW, you know, the hardcore AW fans, they love it. So I guess that's like the main thing. Um, is Andrade El Idolo going to draw in AW's ratings and save them from 462,000 on Friday night up to 550,000 on Friday night? I doubt it. Because, I mean, Kevin, you mentioned it there. What's Andrade El Idolo going to do? We're going to get, oh my God, Andrade El Idolo in action. And it's going to be AW Dark Elevation episode 15. Like, that's about it, really. Yeah, realistically, I mean, that's where we're at. And then uh, while we're at it, we'll talk about AW's numbers. So Great. they did 462,000 viewers. And that was a Friday night at 10 p.m. slot Eastern time. So that was just kind of in a, I mean, that's a tough spot. They're coming on after SmackDown. Um, the NBA playoffs are hot and heavy right now. So they're just kind of fighting for relevancy. So to find like some kind of niche. But I did read, I believe it was cage side seats that I found the article that the DVR numbers have been up since the Friday night dynamite started. So that's good. So around like two to three hundred thousand people on the back end are watching AEW three, four, five, six days later. So that's positive. I guess, I, I mean, I guess that's one way to look at it. Right, I mean, that's just their that's just their hardcore seven hundred to eight hundred thousand viewer audience. We know that already. Yeah, that's a big deal. I mean, not a big deal, like, but it, it makes the the four hundred thousand number look a lot a little bit better because when people see that, they're like, "Oh my god, AEW's dying. WWE's gonna buy them in two months," and right. that, you know that might not be the case just yet. Like, I don't think we got we're getting to that point with AEW where they're gonna need to cut bait at all. I don't think we're even close to that. You know. No, it's just they have their 700 to 800,000 American viewers who will watch them in some way, shape, or form because of the time slot, Friday 10 p.m., which is an awful time slot. Because of that, they're going to get 400 to 500,000 people watching them live, which this week I, I think I'll be close to 400,000 considering the card they've got for this week's Dynamite. So I'll get around four to 500 live, and then you mentioned those you know, DVR numbers there, two to 300,000. That balances out to around six to eight hundred thousand viewers, which is basically their audience anyway. So, yeah, I mean, nothing overly groundbreaking or shocking. People are crying that AW is going to die and that AW is on its last leg. Just please, just why, dude? Yeah. Try to paint your own agenda. Like, come on. Yeah, just, just let those seven hundred thousand people be happy. Then you know, I mean, I, I watched uh, Dynamite on DVR. I wasn't gonna Friday night at ten p.m. I just I don't have time to watch Dynamite at that time of day. So I watched it on DVR. I caught it. Um, I thought it was an interesting show, to say the least. Interesting. Yeah, it was just an interesting show. Like, I'm watching Dustin Rhodes have a bull rope match in the main event. And I'm like, are we in 1985? Like, wh- why is this main eventing an AEW show? I-, I can't even remember who his opponent was. I'm going to try to find that here in a second. It was uh, Dick 
Camarado, was it? I believe. Yeah, Nick Camarado. Yeah, that's it. Okay, that's. Yeah, he's um, um he's one of he's one of QT Marshall's cronies, there, John. So, Kevin, you watched it. Can you please describe Nick Camarado for me. Uh, he's a guy that is a part of QT Marshall's uh, factory. <laughs> that's like that's all I know. Like QT Marshall and trained what, him. What Nick Camarado part is it a look thing? Does he have good promos? Is he great in the ring? Like anything else about him? There was no no real takeaway. The only thing I could think of is. Literally, the only thing I was thinking about watching this match is why is this the main event with Dynamite? Like, why is why wasn't Andrade segment the main event? <laughs> why are we watching this? Like, I didn't really learn anything about Nick Camarado. He's okay in the ring, but so is everyone in AEW. Um, I didn't really learn much other than the fact that him and QT Marshall have been friends for like eight years, and they're both from New Jersey. That's basically all I learned about Nick Camarado. Okay, well, that kind of interesting. So. Well, do that. What do that interaction? What you will. Um, I think. Uh, I think it's the other thing to mention that on AW. I mean, do you want to talk about Britt Baker's championship celebration? Because I mean, the AW Women's Division at this point is, I without sounding like a sieve, probably my favorite part of the show, considering yeah who's there. But at the same time, this segment, Kevin, objectively was. I mean, what, what do you think? Before, before I give a critique, what do you think? Um, what is there to say about these celebrations? Like really, they are what they are. I don't expect much. I I, I just don't. I don't expect much. Um, and like you, I think the women's division is in in AEW is in a much better state than it's ever been. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a championship celebration. That's really my only takeaway on it. I'm curious. I'm more curious of your thoughts. Yeah, I I saw it. Like these championship celebrations usually. I mean, they want it goes one of two ways, depending on if the wrestlers are face or heel. If they're a face, there's gonna be a bunch of balloons and it's gonna be like, oh my god, you deserve it. There's gonna be that. Um, those ones are never entertaining, really, because we've seen them to death. I think the, the, the heel ones can be interesting. You can get a good angle out of it. This one wasn't really though, because yeah, I mean, forget like you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was literally Britt Baker trying to like make fun and talk down to, like nerds or just generally for like a couple minutes I'm like okay yeah, okay that's basically yeah. what it was yeah her just kind of inserting her dominance as like yeah. the, the new woman in charge of AEW yeah I mean to be fair like it wasn't a great segment but I mean I prefer that to I don't know she to having a random two minute match every week for 11 months you know so it is what it is it, it's it's fine hopefully a reign's really good I think Baker as champion opens up a world of possibilities. I think the fact that she wasn't AW Women's champion from the jump, instead they had Rio and Nyla Rose and Sheeta hold it. Like I think when we look back at AW, that's gonna be like one of the main that's gonna stick out like a sore thumb as far as things AW stuffed up. Because I think if you had Britt Baker as women's champion from the get-go and you had compelling storylines and angles with her from the jump, I think the women's divisions are a much better place and in, in turn AW's in a much better place. So those are my thoughts. Do that what you will, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think we can kind of hop off the AEW train. Uh, do you want to talk while we're talking about ratings? Do you want to talk about Raw's ratings or SmackDown or NXT or any of those ratings? Yeah, ratings are down. Um, that's, I think, the, that's the objective, nicest, easiest way of putting it. Ratings are down. Um, people and, aren't and, really. And they're, they're down yeah. because there was a baseball game on ESPN. For God's sake. Could we have this conversation, Kevin? 
the audience who loves NXT and AW is not the same audience who watches NBA and baseball games. It's not the same audience. It's just, there might be a couple thousand people, but not tens of thousands of people. Like, it's just, that's a joke. Like, oh, oh my God, Raw's got a 1.42 because there was an NBA game between the two seed and the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. Like, yeah, that was a 25-point blowout by quarter time. Like, if, even if people went to watch it, they would have just tuned back into the wrestling show within 20 minutes. They would have seen that there's no competition between two teams. Like, this is where, like, logic comes into it, Kevin, which, oh, my God, there was an NBA game on. Okay. Kevin, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but the NBA playoffs and, and NFL and MLB and all this, they've been going on for as, as long as we can remember. That's not a new thing, is it? Right, right, correct. You know, the, the NBA has been going on for many years. This is not brand new. The NBA did not just start yesterday, and now they're taking away thousands upon thousands and millions upon millions of Raw's viewers. It's just, it's not the case. And and how many people oh. are flipping the channel to go watch, like, the Cubs versus the Marlins on ESPN? Like that, it's just not the case. Kevin, in 1998, when MJ was in the finals versus the Jazz, and all those games were drawing 20-plus million viewers, and his final game drew like 30 million viewers. Raw was getting about 7-plus million people watching every week. Nitro getting about 5 million. Right. So that whole thing's not an excuse. Nowadays, less people are watching the NBA than ever before. Like that last year was the lowest rated finals ever. This year, the ratings aren't that much better. Some games do good, and mainly ones involving LeBron. But LeBron's not there anymore. He got kicked out of the playoffs because his, him and his team sucked, and he walked out of his team. So as a result, now we're getting just random playoff games like, oh, my God, Atlanta Hawks versus Knicks game five. Oh, Atlanta won again. Oh, that's that's probably AW's ratings suck. It's because of that. Like, you know, it's it's it, it's, it's, a, it's a cop-out excuse. That's all it is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you got – let's talk about Raw and SmackDown for a second. SmackDown yep. particularly is the one I guess is worrisome the most. SmackDown at one point was consistently doing 2 million viewers, give or take, 2.5, 2.3 around there. Now they're just 1.8, 1.7, 1.9. It's just going down and down and down. And I think a little bit of that is just the Roman Reigns fatigue. There's just not enough. Maybe I should say Roman Reigns fatigue, but there's just a lack of credible stories left to tell with Roman Reigns. Like they're they're finally pivoting to the Mysterio family, but like what have we seen Roman doing? We've had Roman feuding with Daniel Bryan, we've had a feuding with Cesaro, we've had a feuding with Kevin Owens, and that's just yeah. it's not captivating TV. Like it's kind of rinse, wash, repeat. You know, okay, you insert indie guy. Indie guy tells Roman Reigns that he can't wrestle as good as him. Okay, and that's the story. Like that's that's what we got. And Roman Reigns says, "Acknowledge me as a tribal chief." There's only a certain amount of, like, there's only just a certain amount of things that Roman can do. Roman can't carry Daniel Bryan and Rey Mysterio into an interesting program. He just, he can't do it all by himself. You know, we need some help from a supporting cast. And then on top of that, aside from Roman's segment, the rest of the show sucks. I think I can say that pretty confidently. You know, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Yeah, the, the roster's paper then on SmackDown. That's the thing you'll realize. Like you go through, you go to the SmackDown roster page on Wikipedia. Everyone there is being used, and there, it, it's it's all in the same storyline segments every week. Kevin, I'll use Apollo Cruz for an example. Apollo Cruz, really good character, really entertaining. But the issue is because you have literally like 
four mid-card guys. You have to have Cruz versus Big E having matches every week for like five months. Now you've moved on to Kevin Owens. Again, Cruz versus Owens like every every second week. And that's that's the IC title picture. We've got a women's title picture. Okay, Sasha Banks isn't really in the picture. So it's just Belair and Bailey having promos each week. Oh, the tag team division. Okay, now the tag teams are more interesting, Kevin. I think we can both agree. You've got the Usos teaming up. You've got the Mysterios as champions. Tag teams are better. That's a plus. But at the same time, this winds back to our tribal god, Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns, what's he doing? He's having these segments, these promos. He comes out. Hey, indie guy number one, acknowledge me. I'm the tribal chief. I'm the head of the table. I'm the reason this show gets ratings. I, I am the WWE. WWE's mine. Like, okay. You know, like, I, I completely get the reins for Pete. Personally, I think the guy's dope. But as, as you say, it's, it's not a problem with him. It's a problem with basically everything else. Because when Reigns' feuds, when Reigns is having a compelling feud with Jey Uso, ratings are at 2.3. But now they're at 1.7. And a lot of that is because of the Reigns fatigue, because of his you know, bad opponents, and because SmackDown's roster to Kevin is paper thin there, John. Absolutely. And Roman deserves part of the blame, too. I, we can't, yeah. you know, we yeah. can't put it all on the surrounding cast. Uh, I should correct myself. If Roman Reigns was as great as some people will have you believe, it that would parlay into ratings, into merchandise, into general interest in the wrestling product again. Like this, it just comes to a point where you have to look at it like, yeah, Roman's not the guy that that WWE thought he would be eight years ago, nine years ago. He's just, I don't think he's ever going to be capable of being a true number one. Like realistically, Roman's best role is probably like a lead heel. Like, like imagine if you take this heel tribal chief Roman and you insert him into like 2007 into the John Cena, Roman, not Roman, John Cena, Randy Orton, Shawn Michaels that main event scene with Edge, throw Roman in there. Roman would be a great number two and number three guy. But I just think the bottom line is Roman is not like an all-time great performer. Yeah, and what like if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. He's 36 years old. He's been in WWE. He's main evented three WrestleManias, four WrestleManias. He's been in WWE 12 years at this point. If it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen at some point where Roman's gonna show the capability of becoming like a top 10, top 12, all-time great Mount Rushmore guy. I just, I don't think Roman has that in him, to be honest. Yeah, most definitely. And like, I mean, that brings itself back to the problem we spoke about in episode 24, that whole thing with his legacy and whether you can definitively call him a top 25 guy. Because as we say there, you prong him back in the main event scene 15 years ago, and he's a top heel who a baby face like Batista gets through before he can have the, the match with the, the number one heel in the company, like, you know, maybe insert a heel name here, like Edge, for instance. Like, that's what Roman Reigns would have been. He wouldn't have been the definitive number one guy. And if you objectively look at it, the fact that Roman Reigns, after all that's happened with him, all these failed main events, say, uh, main event matches, main event, you know, runs and pushes, the fact that Roman Reigns nowadays is having such success, it's amazing. I think Reigns is awesome. And like, as we've covered, Countless videos, Kevin. That com- you compare what's around him, it- it's like okay, Reigns is clearly you know the best one out of this group, but this group is not good. So as a result, r- ratings are where they are, Kevin. We're getting one point seven five and one point eight on SmackDown now. Raw's getting one point 
four. <laughs> like, it's yeah. so bad. Oh, it's, it's awful. Yeah. Like, like, Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre, they're great top guys. They're great. You know, they're great top guys. Maybe, like, the, like, if you end the brand split and you have Roman and McIntyre have, like, on and off feuds, kind of like Austin Rock did, maybe that would generate a little bit more buzz. Because then it, it would be two guys that are, like, larger-than-life talents going at it. But still, at the end of the day, that's not going to bring, like, five, six million viewers. It's not going to create some uproar in, in the world, in the, in the mainstream. People are going to be paying attention to wrestling again. Like, that's just not the case. But I'll move on from SmackDown. We talk about it really quickly, just, like, yeah. the brand split. Because this is one of these things I've seen a lot, especially we were talking about writing. We are talking about just the current product. Ending the brand split seems like a move that it just needs to be made. Because I mentioned SmackDown's paper-thin roster. That roster is just the same combinations of people every week in the same spots. It gets tiresome for anyone. Raw is just... The roster isn't even bad. It's just the fact that the show's three hours and we've gone to problems with Raw to death at this point. So both shows have clear issues. Why not merge them? And then that way you have... I mean, ideally you put Raw to two hours, ideally. But that way when you have a three-hour Raw... You've got all this different talent. So that instead of a 15-minute long match between Mandy and Dana and, I don't even know at this point, Shayna and whoever, instead of that, you actually have one segment features Randy Orton and there's you, you care because Randy Orton's on screen to an extent. Then there's a Drew McIntyre segment. And the segment after that's a Roman Reigns segment with the Usos. Segment after that is a segment with, involving Edge and Cena's in a segment. Like That way the show can feel like, oh, here's a star, here's a star, here's a star. Instead, what it is, is, okay, well, the star on each show, McIntyre and Reigns, they're going to have one, maybe two segments, which will be good, but the rest of the show is just going to be underwhelming filth. So why should you care to watch? Yeah. 100%. I agree. Yeah. Let's talk about what took place last night on Raw for a minute, because I want to get your thoughts. So the first thing I'll talk about, because we're going to talk about the Shane Baszler segment. I would ask you about that. But first, we got to talk about Randy Orton and Matt Riddle. This tag team that's taken the internet by storm. This is like everyone's favorite tandem. Personally, I can't stand it. I think it's just awful. I, it's so bad. You got Riddle. Hey, bro. I'm going to take you to Burger King, bro. Once WWE Raw goes back on tour, bro. You're going to go to every Burger King in, in every city, bro. So, and then Randy Orton's just like, well, it's like, like just grunting. It's just, uh, it's not good. But there was one particular gift that made its way on the interwebs where Randy Orton's trying not to laugh at Riddle while Riddle's cutting a promo. And it just, it, it makes it so obvious. Like, Randy Orton can't take the guy serious, even. Like, Randy, like Randy Orton, this is like a, a severe downgrade from what we've seen Randy Orton doing. Randy Orton was doing the best work of his career with Edge just a little over a year ago. And then he's he was doing this six-month feud with Bray Wyatt, which was also very good work. And now he's just in a tag team with Matt Riddle. It, I don't even know what to even say. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of reflecting of, of like the state of just, I guess, say wrestling, you could say. Like, obviously, the state of Raw. Um, but yeah, you look where he was. He was in that feud with Edge, where as dead as the Raws were a year ago, there'd be the saving grace of the Edge and Randy Orton promo segment. Like, it'd be two hours and 45 minutes of. Seth Rollins versus Denzel Dejanet in a five-minute squash match. But there'd be the saving grace of Randy Orton and Edge having this intense promo 
Reg is like, you know, I'm grateful to have every moment in this ring and I, I fight, I have grit. And Randy Orton's like, hello, Edge. I do not care about you or your grit. At Backlash, we're going to have the greatest wrestling match ever. Like, that's what Orton would do. And the Bray White stuff, as hokey as it got, with Alexa Bliss having black goose squatting out of the voodoo tiara, as dumb as that got, there was a talking point. You genuinely care. With this, Kevin, I mean, I heard you rant about it in your Royce Not Good rants, and you mentioned it there. We've got Matt Riddle mentioning Burger King, and Randy Orton's looking at him like, as a shoot, being like, really? This is what I'm doing now? Like, as you said, he should have gone to Hollywood when he had the chance. Like, come on. Yeah. What, what was he thinking? Like, when his meme, when the RKO meme went viral in 2008 or nine, he should have left. He started doing acting. You know, he should have got out of like everyone else. He stick around long enough to become Randy Orton. You know, he's 41 years old at this point now. He's he can't make it in Hollywood. I mean, maybe he can. I'm, I don't want to say like there's what 95 percent chance he doesn't make it in Hollywood if he tries. So yeah, he'll get some acting gigs. He can try it, but yeah, what else is he gonna do? We're gonna have five more years of these Randy Orton segments because he's still going to be in good shape at 46 where he's just like, he's teaming with whoever the next guy is with like carrying cross. He's not in a tag team, but carrying cross three years from now. And they're like going after the SmackDown tag team championships. They're marching out to point at the new day and tell them how much they suck. Like, <laughs> you know, what's next for Randy Orton? Yeah. It's like, you can picture in like two years, they'll, they'll finally bring up Tommaso champ as a main roster. And they'll try and sell this like epic chant for an Orton feud. And then the two will face off, and you'll see that Orton is legitimately like eight inches taller than Tommaso Champa. His champ is five foot six, and Orton's a legit six four. And you'll go, Oh, this is what people have been hyping up for five years. This. And Randy Orton will just like laugh at Champa, and then he'll be like a shoot laugh. And you know, you can tell just Orton's just back. He's just collecting a paycheck, doing this wrestling stuff because it makes him a living. He wants to be like the most, or the wrestler with like the most longevity in his career. And I guess doing these Raid Dark Hey Bro segments where a stoner looks at him and goes, Hey, bro, you want to have burgers? And then we can have brownups, bro. Now I'll throw my flip flops at him, bro. Like, <laughs> you got to think Randy Orton, he's coming off the Bray White feud, the Edge feud. And before that, he wasn't really trying for about probably 10 years. But <laughs> you see all this stuff Orton's done. And this is where he is today, Kevin. <laughs> hey, bro. Do you want to go drinking a burger, bro? Bro, what, what what is this, bro? What is this? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, this is the guy that main evented in a person personal feud with Triple H, WrestleMania twenty five, headlined that WrestleMania. He had countless feuds with all the top stars of the ruthless aggression era: Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, Edge. You know, John Cena, Batista, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, then the new era, CM Punk and The Shield, all these guys, Daniel Bryan. And now he's hanging out with Matt Riddle going to Burger King, bro. It's it's just the I guess the devolution of Randy Orton, I guess would be the way to coin the phrase. I, I Yeah. Like, I think that's a the pretty good way of putting it. And I mean, yeah, it's as I said, it's just it's reflecting of where Raw's at, like even as hokey as that Bray Wyatt stuff was, it was something. Now, it's just, oh, well, Matt Riddle riding a scooter around Randy Orton backstage. 
Does Randy Orton look like wants to kill himself? Like, yeah, wow. that's where we are. Um, and then while we're on the topic of Raw, I have to ask you your honest thoughts on that closing segment for this week's Raw that saw Shayna Baszler beating up a doll, viciously abusing Alexa Bliss's Lily doll. Well, I think the timing of it is appropriate because I made the video on my channel about Alexa Bliss and everything that's surrounding her at the moment with this Lily doll. And look, I, I, I appreciate WWE is trying to cater to the entertainment side of things. I think the fact that Drew McIntyre and Kobe Kingston had a 30-minute match the week before the main event and that Raw drew, I think, the second worst rating all time, I believe, because the rating was had a correction. I think the fact that they tried an entertainment segment, Kevin, I think we can both appreciate that. They tried to do an entertaining talking point segment, yeah? But where that falls down is the fact that we have Alexa Bliss playing the role of a 12-year-old girl, which in many senses, like, it works with Bray Wyatt because when he's playing a fun-loving guy he's still like a six foot three like overweight man so it's not as creepy but when you have lots of bliss doing it it's like this is just genuinely like turn off my tv uncomfortable so bliss is doing that alexa bliss is a 29 year old woman who looks like she just graduated high school now she's doing a really bad harley quinn cosplay like that's basically what this is and she looks so young as a person she if you told someone who's never seen wrestling you show them a picture of Alexa in her Harley Quinn cosplay. You're like, yeah, this woman is 30 years old. They'd be like, no, nah, I don't, I don't, like, I don't see it. You know, like you ask someone, how old does this girl look? They'd probably say, oh, maybe 16, 15. And this is what you're headlining Raw with. Like, it's borderline just creepy. It's, it's, it's unnecessary. I don't know how people can like it. It's just, it's weird. Like, that's what we're seeing. And then this 29-year-old woman who is dressed as a 12-year-old, is feuding now with a 41-year-old MMA pioneer, a, a women's MMA pioneer, Shayna Baszler. And this 41-year-old MMA fighter went from legitimately fighting people in a cage for like $20,000, getting yelled at by Dana White. Now she's beating up a, a Lily doll on TV. And that's where we're at. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so with, with that being said, um, yeah. So you take that Alexa Bliss who, I guess the only way I can describe that character is, I guess, I don't even, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it, it, it's quite, it's a feigned character, but it, the character is a feigned for sexual deviancy. It's not a feigned character that we can get behind. It's a feigned for sexual deviancy for deranged perverts. That's the best way I can describe it, because my God, you've got Shayna Baszler, this 41-year-old screaming at a doll, and this is something which, Kevin, as you said in your Raw is Not Good rant, this is something that deranged psychopaths in the UK stay up until 4 and 5 a.m. in the morning to watch. People are sitting there at 2.30 a.m., 30 minutes into Raw, thinking, God, I can't see what Raw ends with this week. And this is what they get. A 41-year-old yelling at a doll, stomping on it, and then explosions of fireworks going off on the stage, which... Let's be fair, Kevin. If AW tried this, there'd be some sparkles there. So at least WB did the production side as well. But nonetheless, there's flames going off. We've got the lighting is all messed up. We've got Alexa's playground set. There's, you know, stuff's happening at the Thunderdome screens are changing colors, Kevin. We go backstage and we have Shane Baszler trying to 
put couches in front of the door. She's lifting up these you know, single-person couches, jamming them in front of the door. The lighting's all messed up. She's looking in the mirror. She's, you know, here's Martha. She sees a, you know, a doll. She breaks the mirror. And then this, this big pop and soap says, oh, my God, Kevin. Oh, my God. And then we hear a scream and the show ends and it hits you. But that's a 41-year-old ex-MMA fighter having a mental breakdown over a doll that's being held by someone who legitimately looks 12. And that's the main event of a show that 22 years ago was getting 8 million viewers a week, led by Austin and McMahon, and was the biggest thing in pop culture. Yeah, an MMA pioneer beating up a doll. What is there to talk about? Like, the only, the only initial reaction is just, oh, this show sucks. I'm going to turn it off. I'm never going to watch wrestling again. Like, that's really all, all that we get now. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And it, it makes me think, boy, I, I remember nine years ago, as, as I, was, I was just getting into wrestling, and Raw would end with John Cena, the guy who'd been the face of wrestling the past seven years, having this insane, massive pull-apart brawl with Brock Lesnar. This UFC and just, you know, icon just generally. And, you know, Lesnar legit punches Cena in the mouth. Cena's like bleeding. And you've got, you know, 400 wrestlers trying to pull them apart. And that's how I grew up watching Raw end. I grew up watching Raw end with CM Punk taking field sobriety tests from Chris Jericho. Punk couldn't walk in straight lines. Then he smashed a bottle on Jericho, that kind of thing. Right? And then now we're getting this. And it's like, what happened? Like, this, this is just, if I showed that segment to 15 of my closest friends, I genuinely, despite the fact that they're close friends, I'd say half of them wouldn't be friends with me anymore. <laughs> if I went, this is what I willingly watch every week. And it's stuff like that that makes you go, who is this for? Why are they doing this? What's the creative direction here? I, I've seen, Kevin, a lot of people, because I did that video about Lexa Bliss, people in the comments saying, well, you should give it a chance. This character hasn't even wrestled yet. And, well, that's false. We've seen the young Bliss character wrestle a number of times already. But nonetheless, give it a chance. We saw the, the Funhouse Bray had a bunch of promos a month before he wrestled. People like that. Okay, it's completely different. As I said, Bray's a, a six-foot-two obese man. The Alexa Bliss legitimately looks 11. So, yeah, I, I don't even know, Kevin. It's just uncomfortable. That's the best way of putting it. Extremely. It's, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I don't want to talk about Raw anymore. It's it's depressing me. <clears throat> let, let, let's talk about everyone's favorite wrestler that will never return to WWE. CM Punk found his way into the rumors again. Uh, Some wrestling yeah. fans, they just think that CM Punk's going to... Oh my god, CM Punk is going to come back because there's a full crowd now in WWE. There you go. You heard it here at the Elite Heat Podcast. CM Punk is coming back at SummerSlam because there's a full crowd. There it is. Kevin. Kevin. You know, and the Elite Heat loyal listeners know, CM Punk is the guy who apparently was a catalyst for getting me into wrestling to begin with. And as somebody who's followed this guy for the rest of the way through his WWE career, up until January 27th, 2014, when he officially walked out, seeing the past seven and a half years with constant stories just like this, where it's like, oh my God, CM Punk's going to return. What people don't rem- don't seem to grasp is that Phil Brooks is a realistic thinker. Phil Brooks would turn on an episode of Raw in 2021 and dry heave by watching it. Phil Brooks is not coming back. Phil Brooks is not coming back to AEW. Phil Brooks is not coming back to WWE. 
Philip Brooks is not coming back to pro wrestling. He did some WWE backstage. He did some work with that. That's all good, Kevin. That was right up his wheelhouse. But then the day, the guy behind the CM Punk character has no passion for wrestling anymore. He's made that abundantly clear countless times, Kevin. But time in and time out, we get this thing over and over again. Okay, I personally gave up on this whole CM Punk's coming back at All Out 2019. He didn't come back for AW's big show in Chicago, and that was legit the last chance. Now, it's, you're, you're wasting your breath. You're wasting your energy, Kevin. So that's the nicest way I'll put it. Now back to you. I'll pass the baton back to you on this one, pal. Do you want to see Sam Punk come back, pal? Give it to us. Oh, man. I would love it, pal. Like, realistically, I would love it to see a Punk came back. I really would. It would be great for every everyone involved. It's great for fans, great for the media, great for content creators. I think the views. Oh, the views would be lovely. Yeah, cool. and it's great for wrestling, too. Just having a superstar like CM Punk, who I'm sure he still has something left to give. I'm sure he can. He's still relatively young. He can still give something to WWE, and and some wrestlers can learn a lot from him. Like I just think everyone involved, it would be great for. It. But the odds of CM Punk returning, I just I don't see it. I mean, it can happen. I, I'm never going to say never because Ultimate Warrior came back, Bret Hart came back, so on and so forth. All these guys that you thought would never come back have come back. So he could realistically, but I just don't see. Like I don't think. 65,000 people at the Las Vegas Raiders Stadium is going to intrigue CM Punk en- enough to come back. Like, if CM Punk comes back at SummerSlam, what is he going to do? He's going to confront the Tribal Chief. He's going to confront Drew McIntyre, confront Bobby Lashley. Like, what is Punk going to do? And then after, what, in six months, what's he going to be doing from there? He's going to be in these horrible segments. We're going to have CM Punk's sisters on Raw. He's going to beat up his sister. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, I think probably with Punk, like, I'm not going to do the hypothetical. Yeah, probably something, they're just saying with Reigns, saying with Rollins, and then he'd probably be doing, he'd be probably sitting in Alexa's playground, swearing at a doll. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. Come yeah, on. could you imagine Punk doing the go to sleep on the Lily doll and Alexa Bliss is crying? Like, God. Man, like, that, that's what CM Punk is going to come back for, you know? I mean, if he did come back, it would be on a part-time basis, and he would only do WrestleMania and SummerSlam, probably. And he would only feud with the elite of the elite, no pun intended, where he would feud with, like, Roman, Lashley, McIntyre, maybe Randy Orton, Edge. Like, that's probably it. AJ Styles. But, like, who else is CM Punk going to feud with? We're going to see CM Punk feuding with Bray Wyatt, and Bray Wyatt's going to be yelling at CM Punk about how CM Punk, he, he was in this story... With Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho made fun of his father's alcoholism, and Bray Wyatt's telling him morally that was an incorrect decision, a booking decision you made. Like, what the hell? Is I will say though, can I will say a funhouse match with Bray and Sam Punk would be amazing though. I will say that, but yeah, no, nah, that's a few that wouldn't really work. The funhouse match would be cool though, but yeah, no, nah, I Punk ain't coming back. Phil Brooks has no passion for wrestling. We move next, <laughs> next, Kevin. Thank you, next. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I mean, that's all I got. I know there's something you wanted to ask me, so we could, we could kick to that. Yep. Um, okay, so, Kevin. Actually, well, there's two things. I think there's two things we can talk about. We, I mentioned double standards earlier. Um, now, when I go on wrestling Twitter, and, I mean, you're, you're pretty – Kevin, you, you, you're, you're huge on Twitter at this point, 5,000 plus followers. Go, go and follow Kevin on Twitter. Um, anyway, back to the point. When you go on Twitter, Kevin, and the first thing you see on your timeline is – Liv Morgan in revealing pictures from a photo shoot. And you go through the replies and it's a bunch of down bad 
simps with hardly any social life saying some of the most just just gross things about Liv Morgan and being just yeah, incels, basically. When you see that, that's okay, that's one thing. But yet, when we have Shane McMahon hosting Raw Underground and we get 15-second glimpses of Shane with three women clothed doing some like dancing when there's like a pole there, that's the worst thing ever and Double Beauty needs to be cancelled. I don't yeah. get it. That's the end of the world. I don't get it. Yeah. That, yeah, that's the end of the world. People are demanding that, that Vince McMahon go bankrupt because strippers made appearances for 30 seconds on the Raw Underground. But then, like I said, Liv Morgan, like you said, I mean, Liv Morgan can post whatever she wants. She can post these bikini pictures and people can just be disgusting. They can make all these remarks of what they would do with her. God forbid if they got her alone. Yeah, these sexual deviants. I swear to God, Kevin. Oh my God. Yeah, it's, it's disgusting. But then on TV, if Liv Morgan had a gimmick, because let's be honest, if Liv Morgan was in the Attitude Era, she would have been over, if you will. I'll leave uh, that open for interpretation. So yep. Liv Morgan, if she came out and just decided to have like a bikini contest and we had like Liv Morgan and, you know, Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke and some other attractive women compete in this bikini contest, that would just be terrible. Oh my God, it's the end of the world. How could WWE do this? They're a PG company. That they want family friendly content. That you have Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan should be focusing on her in ring ability. Miss McMahon should showcase her in a way that she's equal to the men. It's just the standard. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And then you have like women on the independent scene, like Thunder Rosa and Tay Conti. They're they're selling nudes on Patreon and, and like OnlyFans. That's okay. You know, people will spend twenty dollars a month to subscribe to Take On These OnlyFans to watch a video of her barbecuing in a bikini. But God forbid she's on a bikini on AEW, it's the end of the world. It just it doesn't make sense. I, I'll never understand it. I can't even try to put a, a reason behind it. It just it doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't think it makes sense to a lot of people. I don't even know if people will even talk about this. Like I haven't heard that many people in the media really bring this up. Well, because, yeah, this, this is just one of those things like we pick up and you, you look at the wrestling community. And I, I don't get it. It's like when these women are portrayed in a way that isn't, look how empowered they are, let's have a great match. When they're portrayed in a way that's not that on WWE TV, such as Eva Marie and the whole evolution thing, the line gets brought up. This is setting the women's evolution back. This is de-evolutionizing women's wrestling, which I think that whole concept is absolutely ridiculous that is blasphemous that is assuming that women who want this goes down the whole how you portray women on wrestling tv when you say to women the only way you're going to be portrayed on wrestling tv is an overly empowered woman who can be a great wrestler can do everything the men can do that's setting the evolution back i'm sorry not every woman wants to be that so to to pigeonhole females in that box i think it's ridiculous like, if, if Liv Morgan, hypothetically, goes up to Vince and goes, I, I want to do some more revealing segments on Raw. Could that be sorted out? Could that be arranged? That should be encouraged. That's what she wants to do. But Kevin, oh, how evil. Oh, my God. Is that Eva Marie on a car? I, Vince McMahon needs to go bankrupt. Damn him. How dare. This is saying the women's evolution back. Is Eva, does Eva Marie want that? I don't care. She shouldn't be doing it. She needs to be a great wrestler who's 
paid her dues in the Indies and wrestled great matches against other indie talents and nearly broken her neck numerous times from 360 degrees spinning pile drivers in front of 15 people in the indie show. That's the only way she has indie cred. That's the only way the evolution progresses. Like, get out of here, Kevin. It's the whole thing's ridiculous. Like, like, well, if you have women portrayed in a way that's not that on TV, the evolution's set back. Shut up. Get out of here. Like that that mentality sets the evolution back. Not the fact that women can portray themselves on TV. I mean, that's just one of my biggest pet peeves with the community and just wrestling in general. It's a joke. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you remember that segment where Alexa Bliss had that wardrobe malfunction? Yes. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? You actually remember it? Do you remember the random great match that we saw between uh, Natalia and Ruby Wright on that one episode of Raw in 2018? No. No one remembers that. We all remember that Alexa Bliss segment. We all remember the Eve Marie wardrobe malfunction segment. We all remember the Sable segments back in the year. We remember this stuff. We remember Vince McMahon backstage and he's he's blindfolded and Tori Wilson's there. <laughs> and then, you know, he gets he gets kicked in the nuts by Linda or whatever. He falls on the boxes and he's in pain. Like, that's something we remember, Kevin. We don't remember. Great Matt. Like we ah, dude. Oh my God. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. The, the, men, the mentality of people nowadays sets the evolution back. Nonetheless, go on. It doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, I brought up the Alexa Bliss segment because that was one of the best segments of the PG era. One of the most raunchiest segments that stick out. Like, yeah, people that are going to hear me say that's one of the best segments, they're instantly going to be like, no, it wasn't because it wasn't a great match. But for me, that's one of the best segments of like the last five years. It was, it was you know, it was good. Alexa Bliss in that light, I mean, that's what people want to see her as. I'd rather see that version of Alexa Bliss than her as a 12-year-old girl. Like, I just, I can't enjoy that. But now, you look at, like, Liv Morgan, for example. If Liv Morgan got released from WWE tomorrow, she would be making a boatload of money on OnlyFans and Patreon, selling bikini pictures and calendars and premium content and all this crap. And the same people that would be allowing her to live that lifestyle, feeding money into this, into her, whatever she decides to do. I'm not saying yep. that she will do this if she gets released or if she's not with WWE anymore. I'm not saying she will do that, but she could. And the same people yep. that would be subscribing and allowing this to happen, they would be, on the other hand, freaking out if, like, Eva Marie has a segment where she's showing too much skin and the segment is just her talking about how beautiful she is and it's not her having a match. You know, they'd be like, oh my god, Eva Marie is obnoxious. Oh, she's she, she should be wrestling. She should be focusing on being better in the ring. She shouldn't be talking about how she looks at a bikini. It's like, it doesn't make sense. Well, why do things, I mean, uh, this is more of a general comment, commentary thing, but why do things have to be so one side or the other? It has to, women have to only be empower, you know, empowering figures of good matches or you, know, you, you, you can only think that or you, you can only think that women have to be doing Bikini contests, uh, bikini contests, and stripping every week. There is a Kevin. It is beyond me how wrestling cannot find a balance of that. How you cannot have the you know women who want to be portrayed as superhero figures and want to be the inspiring figures to six year old little six year old girls everywhere, and you can't have the women who want to be a bit more let's, let's use the term revealing on WWE TV, get eyeballs and attention from that way of doing things. How you can't just find a balance and progress in evolution, I, it is beyond me. It's not, it's not reflectant of women at all. Not every woman wants to be an empowered superhero. That's just, that's just false. That's cap. Like just, it, Kevin, I, I, I can't believe it. I, I really can't. And that, that double standard we really talked about to bring this to the table, 
Liv Morgan can post all this stuff and absolutely, she can, that's her account. 100% awesome. But you get these disgusting, dirty simps like iBeast, all this, saying all this stuff, you know, in our replies. And then you get people showing up on Raw, like even Marie, and oh my God, wrestling should die and burn the hogs. They gave her a job. How dare they fire Tom Phillips for the employee Eve Marie? It's like, Kevin, I, do, I don't get it. I, I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe the wrestling Twitter is not for me. It clearly is not, but yeah, I just don't get it. Yeah, it's, it's clearly it's clearly not for you. <laughs> it's broken me, Kevin. Hopefully that rant's made for some good entertainment because, my God, it's baffling. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. With that being said, subscribe to Take Copy's Patreon yeah, while you're yep. at it. You, know, you might see some, yep. some, you'll see some good work rate clips and matches and her working on her, her moveset. You know, you, you won't see anything outside of that. It's just all it's about gritty wrestling content. I love, I can't, I can't, a moment of appreciation for Bonafide Heat Kevin here. Those tweets you do, look how great her work rate is, pal. Oh, she's so good in the ring. And there's a picture of someone in like a bikini. That is class. I love that. That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, and then people take it the wrong way and then they reply and they're like, oh, she's so sexy. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm talking about her ability to execute a dropkick. Have you seen Tay Conti throw a dropkick on AEW Dark? I mean, she has one of the top two dropkicks. Like her and Randy Orton are probably the top two dropkicks in wrestling history and she is not number two. Like, let's be honest. Let's call it like it is, bro. Come on. Oh, that's great. And yeah, I think we'll close this out. I'll ask you this question, Kevin, which realistically, we could do a whole lead heat about and we might just do so one day. But I'll ask you now, Kevin. I did a deal on this and I'll ask you the question now. Who should dethrone Roman Reigns, the tribal chief? Well, the easy question is Cesaro. I mean, he's wrestled all around the world. And then he's been in WWE for 10 years. He's clocked in and out on time. He deserves to be rewarded for all of his hard work, pal. And- ha! Ha ha! You're so funny, Kevin. Who do you really think? <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, I don't think there's anyone out there, like in all seriousness, I don't think there's anyone out there that's worthy of taking the belt off of Roman. Because like, realistically, if you put the belt on Rey Mysterio right now, let's just say hypothetically, they put the belt on Rey Mysterio. What the hell are they going to do with Rey Mysterio from there? You're going to have Rey Mysterio feud with Seth Rollins for another six and a half months over the Universal title? Like, what What are you going to do? You put the belt back on Rollins. What are they going to do with Rollins? You're going to have him feud with, I don't know, like, what, Wesley Blake? They have a feud with Wesley Blake because Buddy Murphy is and Wesley Blake are best friends. And Wesley Blake wants to get revenge on Rollins for bullying Buddy Murphy. Like, what the hell are they going to do with any of these people? Roman Reigns is, like, the last, what's, like, the last remnant of a superstar that we have in wrestling. And there's really nobody on his level. Like, yeah, Drew McIntyre is close, but yeah. like, he's the only guy, realistically, that I could see that you could put the belts on Roman. But then, yeah, but like, the what's going to happen with Raw? The thing with Drew, I don't know if you get this in. Mm-hmm. Drew's probably the best option as far as current day guys, and yeah. generally to beat and dethrone Reigns. But what then? Because we've seen Drew as champions. Okay, Drew beats Hill X, Drew beats Hill Y. Like, that's all it is. Right. And, like, yes, the moment, say, WrestleMania 38, hypothetically, of Drew overcoming and dethroning Reigns, ending the 500-day reign of the tribal god, that's going to be incredible when it happens, if it happens. But then what? That's the thing. Then what? Like, oh, The Rock needs to beat Roman Reigns. Cool. Then what? Dwayne Johnson at 51 with a packed movie schedule is going to be defending Universal title against Apollo Crews in a great match. Like, like, <laughs> like, like where to? Well, what next, Kevin? I mean, the, the, probably the best option would be John Cena to beat him to get his 17th title ring. That's 
probably the best scenario I can think of to make yeah. to make the the Roman Reigns title reign feel meaningful. To have him be the guy that takes the fall for Cena's big seventeenth win in a packed arena at SummerSlam or Survivor Series or Royal Rumble, whatever the hell they do it, that would be the best case. But then, where do you go with Cena? Cena's got to go off and film all these commercials and movies. So, like, I guess Cena would hold it for a month and then drop it to Rome, drop it back to Roman. So he'd still wind up with Roman Reigns as a champion, even if Cena is the guy that dethrones him. Roman will just he'll do a Brock Lesnar in twenty fourteen, just beat Cena in ten seconds at the next pay per view, and then where do you go from there with Roman? Like realistically, Roman's probably going to be champion for like the next two, two to three years. I don't see anyone that could take the belt from him. I, I just I just don't. Absolutely, and I mean this. I, I guess we'll segue into this for the final conversation. So, Reigns versus Cena at SummerSlam has been the big rumored match. First off, I want to say, I really hope they do that. I think that'd be amazing. Um, I think, I want to talk to you about this really quickly. How do you think fans are going to go about that? Because obviously, Cena's had this recent controversy and mini cancellation, I guess, to this whole Taiwan-China fiasco. That's happened. And Roman Reigns has been doing this amazing work for a year. So, God forbid, fans come back and you get Arena's cheering for Reigns and doing Cena and just ruining the whole thing. I, I really hope that doesn't happen, but I can well, picture can it. I, can I, can I, no, no, let, let me stop that right now. Let me stop that talk right now. There's going to be 75,000 people at SummerSlam if they hypothetically do Cena and Reigns. How many of those people are even going to know about the Cena-China situation? You know, how, how many casual fans that are buying this ticket to see John Cena's big return to wrestling going to know about his... his that, that, yeah, that wouldn't be the case at all. I just, I couldn't see it. I mean, it's only like a few, a small, small minority of people that called for the end of Cena's career because he apologized to China. Like, it's it's not like when Daryl Morey almost got the NBA canceled from China. It's, it's the you know, you just can't compare the magnitude of the situations, you know? Yeah, for sure. So hopefully, if and when that's the case, we get a, a seamless SummerSlam main event with Reigns and Cena in a stadium. You have the two biggest stars of wrestling in the last 15 years having this big match. And there's the Tribal Chief versus Cena hunting for 17. And it's just, that sounds so sick. Like, everything about that's dope. So, hopefully they do that. Then they can do Reigns and Rock at WrestleMania in a year or two. And we can get wrestling's last true real dream matches out of the way. And then, yeah, that'd be all good. So, any, any closing words, Kevin? Oh, that's it for me. That's all I got. So, we'll talk to you guys next week for Elite Heat. I don't know what we're going to do. Probably a post-Hell in a Cell show, but it's all up in the air. We'll see how that goes. And yeah, leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, wherever the hell else you get your podcasts. And thank you all so much for listening. Yep. Peace.